The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather on this Lord's Day to worship together. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for the gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We invite you to join us come Sunday as the Spirit moves. And on this very particular Sunday especially, we covet your prayers from near and far. In the old hymn, the words of Charles Tindley, may our prayers today be when the storms of life are raging, when the storms of life are raging, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Together may we pray. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, in prayer today we are given a word of invitation and also space and time for reflection and indeed, and in addition, an opportunity for confession and commitment. Words of invitation and words of reflection and words of commitment draw us more deeply into prayer and therefore more closely to who we are, to your, to my own most self. We pause in confession before God together as our choir sings for us and with us the traditional Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us. Let us pray.
Gathered as we are in the embrace of God's care, we can remember with confidence traditional words of David in the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 105 with the Antiphon. thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. Whose heart he then turned to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent his servant Moses and Aaron whom he had chosen. Praise the Lord. Now rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel. Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, 
and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Floodwater rising. Today we are going to navigate our little ship, the Nave, 
word for ship. The chapel at Marsh Chapel into a little cove where we will debark and rest for a minute. We, of course, together hold in our hearts, minds, and prayers those near, nearer and farer, farther who may be in particular need or in harm's way, and we pray God, God's blessing of safety and peace for all. We have had an intervening event since the inspirations and indications and uh, intentions of this service were planned, including in that uh, assembly the sermon. So today, while we rest in this quiet cove, we're going in a different direction. That means we're not going to generalize, though that's important, and we're not going to specialize, though that's important too, but we're going to improvise, beginning with me and perhaps including one, two, three, or four of you. That is, the sermon for today was meant for a drier moment, and we are in a, a bit of a moist moment. So we're going to refer in a minute to a text that's perhaps a little closer to home and closer to the bone, but let me pause at the outset to welcome Beth as our conductor. Thank you. We appreciate your presence, the voice and presence of the choir. We don't take that for granted on any day, and particularly today. Thank you all. Peter uh, is our old friend, our dear friend, and really needs no introduction on the organ bench. And yet he, uh, if I may say, is in his own way a master of improvisation. And so today particularly we are grateful and indebted and uh, serendipitously blessed to have him with us and among us. And what can I say of those who gathered to be in the pews? I might not have expected even a quarter of the number who are here, but here you are. There are still a few empty seats here and there, and one I see open in the balcony. No, I think more than one. But you are here. You are with us to lift the praise of God and to join in the fellowship that is shared here and by extension through voice and media with those about us. We are together in the nave. So appropriate to remember today. With a bit of attention today, I would like to ask you to meditate with me about uh, wisdom and about struggle and about faith. Before yet, I had attended elementary school, and we lived then in Nevada, on the outskirts of Las Vegas. I can remember in the 100-degree heat of the summer of my fourth year, playing uh, under the careful watchful eye of our mother there in the drive in those uh, then new, and uh, we saw them just three winters ago now, somewhat aged barracks wherein did live those who were in the service of our country, including my father who was a chaplain in the Air Force at Nellis Air Force Base. The first memory that I have of the Holy Scripture comes from that hot, barren, desert setting along a driveway with a little shade where 
Perhaps alone or perhaps with some help, I had uh, constructed a, a fort, a castle, uh, a sand castle without a beach. And the wind had come up and had knocked it down. And in the heat and dust, I can see, or maybe it's a stylized memory, but there she is speaking and leaning. She says, Bob, probably Bobby at that point. You know, a wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain fell, and the flood came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, but it did not fall, because it was founded on the rock. And the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain fell, and the flood came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it did fall, and great was the fall of it. It is upon that uh, concluding text that is the culmination of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew in the seventh chapter, to which I invite your attention on this uh, hurricane Sunday morning when the storms of life are raging and we reach out to one another, to the divine presence, and to the Holy Spirit to clasp, grasp again that which we hold most dear, that which is most meaningful, that which is most lasting, that which counts, upon which one may found, if you will, a shared life. There's a reference to a wise man, a wise person, we might say today, who is uh, brought up through the tradition of wisdom, including the psalm which begins this altar. <clears throat> Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The Hebrew scripture uh, accounts for truth in three different ways. There is truth known in Revelation, as in the Pentateuch and the giving of the Ten Commandments later and the pres presence of the Lord on Sinai. There we know the truth through God's gift directly in Revelation. Then there is truth known in hearing or audition, so the prophets from Amos all the way through Malachi. I hate, I despise your feasts, says my, uh, Amos, but let justice roll down like water and righteousness as an ever flowing stream. There we know truth through audition, what we hear. It's in the latest, newest, closest to us part of the Hebrew scripture that we account for wisdom, where truth is not known through revelation alone or audition alone, but is known through experience, whence wisdom. We learn, we become wiser together out of our own experience. I had an English teacher who at Nottingham High School in Syracuse, New York, who used to say repeatedly, there are some things that should not have to be learned from experience because experience can be a harsh teacher. And yet, we do learn and learn steadily the way of wisdom through 
our own experience and through our experience with this wise person so identified in Matthew chapter 7, we find a way to rest, to lean back as our earlier hymn indicated, and to rest ourselves in the faithfulness of Christ whom Peter connects to and speaks with in our gospel lesson read so clearly earlier this morning. We become, we hope, a bit wiser day by week, by month, by year. And so in a week's time, we will as a congregation be including and inviting in those who will seek wisdom and learning and virtue and piety here at Boston University. And at Marsh Chapel, we trust they and we together with them, our undergraduates and graduate students will find a fuller and deeper community of wisdom. There is wisdom around us. You know, it's humbling to come back to a familiar pulpit, to return to a beloved familiar pulpit evokes, must evoke some sense of humility rooted in pride, some sense of understanding rooted in wonder, some sense of life rooted in the awareness of death, some sense of love rooted in need. I have a friend, Mark Trotter, a graduate of Boston University School of Theology, who for almost 30 years preached from his fine pulpit in San Diego, retired for five years, and then was invited back after a longer than simply summer break. And he hugged his pulpit and said, it's like a boy with a blanket. It's so good to be back. It is so good to be back to see, listen, hear, sing with you. You know, Franklin Roosevelt, it is said, though he was raised, as you know, an Episcopalian, when in office in Washington, would worship regularly in a small Methodist church. And once he was discovered and cornered and asked, why do you sing with them? Why do you worship with them? And he said, I love to hear them sing. Today, we love to hear you sing. There's a wisdom that we share and know around about and grow together in, in enjoyment in the year to come, we trust and hope. I'm going to invite you, some of you actually have copies of this distributed. Those others will have to follow as I line it out or just follow the choir in singing. Peter has agreed, as we think about what gives us wisdom, to play for us and we'll sing together a familiar hymn. It's no longer in our standard hymnal, to my regret, so we've made copies but it's a familiar one to many. And Peter, if you'll give us the first verse, then we'll sing together, Eternal Father, Strong to Save, verses one through four.
singing recalls and as our experience today reminds us, in life we encounter unexpected uh, challenge and struggle and travail. Our wisdom carries us, the storm follows us, and endurance and patience are a part of the requisite uh, quartermaster's store for the journey of faith and the life of faith. In the summer, there's a chance for a little fuller reading and in thinking uh, about this second point of attention, about patience and endurance. I recalled a sermon I read earlier this summer. Many of you with me will continue to grieve the loss, the departure, the translation to the church from the church militant to the church triumphant from earth to heaven of our brother in ministry whose singular voice touched and helped us so frequently, the Reverend Professor Peter Gomes. In a place far away and unexpected, I found for sale a copy of a collection of his sermons and happily placed myself within earshot of his lingering and still mellifluous and still beautiful voice. He wrote, my father was a farmer and he raised that rare and exotic crop peculiar to New England, cranberries, a tough and exotic piece of fruit not given to easy entreaty or easy growth. Cultivation of the cranberry is a very delicate and demanding art, for it is as difficult to raise as it is tart to taste, which moral tale was early implanted upon me, the son of a cranberry grower. I watched my father at work all his life, indeed to nearly the very day of his death, working the ground, and whenever I think of my father, I think of James and the text about the farmer patiently waiting for the early and the late rains, and I read that text, I invariably think of my father. Whenever I do this remembering, I am reminded that while patience is the essence of farming, the farmer is anything but a passive participant in the process. The farmer is not passive. To farm is to live all of one's hours in and for one's work. Bankers, lawyers, teachers, generals, engineers, and academics know nothing of what real vocational commitment is, but the farmer eats, sleeps, and drinks every day that process of activity and of patience. One day when we were in the garden and I, a young fellow, I told my father that I thought I wanted to go into the ministry. He looked at me and he said, without changing any one of his attitudes toward his hoeing, I always hoped that my son would do honest work. I knew what he meant. The farmer lives in proximity to two ultimate truths, which are held in balance by the authority of his own experience. Ultimate truth number one is that the harvest is the result of incredible patience. And ultimate truth number two is that the harvest is the result of incredible work. Yes, he waits and hopes for the autumn and spring rains, and there is nothing that he can do to induce them. That is where patience comes in. That is where relying on forces beyond one's control comes in. In that season of waiting, however, he is hardly idle, for the farmer does all the work that can and must be done, knowing that time and God alone will bring to fruition what he expects and assists. I have never known an idle farmer who was a good farmer. 
It is constant work, but the work is full of expectation and fueled by labor and experience. The farmer knows that what is expected is worth waiting for. The farmer also knows that what is worth waiting for is also worth working for, and that that is why the farmer is commended by the scripture. Our scripture is not writing to farmers, but is being written to a fairly sophisticated audience of people like yourselves, who, in having lost the use of their hands in the fields, are now held hostage to the fantasies and disappointments of their minds. A counsel from a dear friend reaching across to us, keeping before us, commending to us the fruit of the Spirit, hupomone, endurance, patience, struggle, long-suffering, carrying on forbearance when the storms of life are raging. I prevailed upon our happy and magnanimous organist to play also the hymn 512. This is in the hymnal. In these numbers in our hymnal, you will find hymns that were written in uh, Tindley Temple, a black church in Philadelphia, and uh, by the well-known preacher there, the Reverend Tindley, and we're going to sing together the verses, five verses, I believe they are, of hymn number 512.
support you. And we have a saying in the ministry, preaching to the choir. Well, it's good to preach with the choir and the organist today. Our attention moves from wisdom to endurance and finally to a word of faith. We look, don't we, for examples of faith near and far by which we may guide our own actions and choices and with which we may, own, we may chart our own course. I was struck some days ago by an article set out of Tanglewood, a place with which we here at Marsh and through our musical leadership have much com connection. And an article about John Williams and all he has written and all he has done and what his voice has meant. His music pervades American society. The fearful two-note motive from Jaws, the five-note intergalactic message from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the fanfares from the themes for Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the slightly off-kilter melody beginning the Harry Potter theme. The sheer volume of music he has produced, scores for more than a hundred, a symphony, and a dozen concertos would cow many composers. He writes every morning without fail, working with pencil and paper at the piano, and has made a mark, a transformative, faithful change for the better in our shared life together. In retirement, he writes every morning. George Buttrick preached across the river at Harbor Memorial Church for five years from 1955 to 1960. And then he retired, but he found himself at least once a week in retirement when he wasn't preaching, writing a sermon. There's something that moves through the mind and heart in the faithful exposition, the faithful application of one's talents, graces, and gifts. So John Williams, and of course today, August 28th, do I notice you move up the chin? August 28th, do I notice you attentive to the date? August 28th, those of you who worship regularly here outside of the Martin Luther King Memorial, August 28th, the day on which one of the three greatest sermons in American history was preached. No, not 1620 in Massachusetts Bay and Governor Winthrop. No, not Abraham Lincoln in March of 1865 in the second inaugural, but this is a relatively young a Baptist preacher who had earned his doctorate from Boston University and had set his face south and had gathered with others in Washington for a great moment. There is, I believe, an additional memorial on display there which was to have been celebrated today, but times being what they are, has been postponed. I refer you to the remarks meant at the outset, not about generalizing or specializing, but about improvising. We will close today with a, a reverent, uh, loving, proud, honoring citation from Martin Luther King, August 28, 1963. This is our hope and this is the faith with which we shall return. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood.
With this faith, we will be able to work together, pray together, struggle together, go to jail together, stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. I heard it first from my mother, wise man built his house upon the rock. The rain fell, the flood came, the wind blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on wisdom, endurance, faith. It was founded on the rock. Amen.
our worship this morning when we gather our prayers as a community. And as our choir sings our call to prayer, I invite you to stand or sit or kneel or come to the altar rail. Whatever pose will help you to be comfortable and to best be in the spirit of prayer. Let us gather our hearts and minds in prayer. of the complex systems of our planet and our universe. This morning we are reminded that the delicate web that balances life and death, calm and storm, is beyond our human attempts to control. When we find ourselves feeling small and insignificant in the midst of the whole of creation around us, help us to be still and to know that you are God. God, we also know that as great, big, and distant as you are, you are close beside us. You call each and every one of us by name. We know that your love is so great that it took on human flesh and lived among us in your Son, Jesus Christ. This morning we gather as Jesus' disciples once did in the midst of a storm. We're surrounded by the wind, the waves, and the rain. And like the disciples, we are afraid. May we hear again the words of Jesus, peace, be still, and may the storm of our hearts be calmed. This morning, our thoughts and our hearts are elsewhere with friends, family, and loved ones in areas that have already been hit by the hurricane. We remember and pray for our brothers and sisters from the Carolinas through the area around our nation's capital and through New York. God, we know your eye is on the sparrow and the littlest ones in your creation. Watch over and be with those who are on our hearts and minds today. And last, God, being so near to disaster reminds us that there are people and places who we do not see and do not know, who are suffering alone, sick, hungry, in danger, or dying. Quicken our hearts, Lord, so that we may know your compassion and seek out your justice and peace everywhere. In times of trouble, we often turn to familiar words and rhythms which help our souls to be still. And so we turn to the familiar words which Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We do rejoice that you have gathered with us here at Marsh Chapel this morning and braved the storm to be here. We do hope that you will take a moment to put your name in the red pad found along the center aisle of each pew so that you can get credit for having braved the storm and so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We do encourage you as we are headed into startup, we will be back in the full swing of the academic year come next Sunday, September 4th, to keep an eye to the chapel website, bu.edu slash chapel, for a number of updates and services on services and activities. We would note that on Sunday, September 11th, on the uh, at noon following this service, we will process directly out of this service onto the chapel plaza for a 9-11 10th anniversary remembrance service. That will be an all-university service, and we hope that you will, join, you will continue after this service to join us for that. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, this day for life and work and peace. Now bless these gifts and those who have given them for the work of ministry in this place and throughout the world. Amen. support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes. The busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, happy lodging, and peace at the last through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> 